Okay, here we go, episode 163. Let me try and go live here and see if we can have some success. Okay, checking my connection. And we're live. Good afternoon, everyone. Hello. Welcome to the 163rd episode of the BCMO Tech Tuesday. Yes, 163, back-to-back, unfailingly, every Tuesday, noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. And for those of you on YouTube, thank you so much for joining me on this opportunity as an archiving moment. And for those on the podcast, yes, this show is on podcasting networks, whether it is Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, um, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podbean, you name it, we are there. Just do a search for BC Moto and you can see us. Yo, a bag of butter. Interesting name. Thanks for joining me this afternoon. And it's, forgive me for wearing this attire. It's really cold here in the back of the shop. Yes, Mission Flyer. Happy New Year indeed, everyone. Uri Parse, hello as well. Thank you, 911 Dre, saying all my builds are effing sick. Appreciate that indeed. Oh my goodness, busy looking like an New York yuppie. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's just cold. I have to wear something to warm me up. It's just really cold back here. Um, happy 2021 to you as well, David Films. Um, Jeff, no, I do not do any Wanko or Rotary builds. I do tune them, but I don't build any in-house myself. You know, I miss coming to Orlando. Um, last time I was in Orlando was maybe three years ago. But last year, I was in Miami briefly. Um, or even a year before, huh? Yeah, wow, we're in 2021, aren't we? And Happy New Year, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hello, Martin Lewinsky. Good, see- good seeing you. Ruben. Hello, hope all is well. You ready for the Icebox Customs? Almost there. I have a couple more probably coming. <laughs> so I appreciate that. Happy New Year to you as well. I hope everyone is well. Hello, 5 Liam. Good afternoon. Thank you so much, Chevy Diver. It's, it's you know, it's a 356. I've never owned one of these, but it's a Mulholland Proven shirt. I think we have it in the Beeson Motor store. I think we have a few more left. Limited edition, you know? Um, N54, yes, we do a little bit of that. Hello, AJ, brother. Good seeing you. And for those of you who don't know Relentless Racing, good friend of mine who taught me how to be a better driver. So this right here is the Twin Turbo Cayman uh, that I built years ago because I wanted to do something very unique with taking the advantages that Porsche gave us with a mid-engine setup, but giving it the power of a 911. So initially, this had 480 horsepower, was so much fun, and I drove it like a drag racer. And AJ was the one who taught me to be a better driver, which is great, you know? My 935 is one of my favorite cars. Thank you. I have a couple of them back here. There's the K3 V Electric and the Petro M16 back there. And there's another Petro one air-cooled right over there that uh, we did for Rod, you know? Yes, it is electric, indeed. Um, it is 475 kilowatts of pure electron power. has this amazing supercharger wine that goes into the compartment we're driving has a shifter to initiate forward and backward gear, and it's a single-speed application, you know? Are you, when are you going to work on a 944-951? Um, as soon as there's a client who wants to do that, the thing is that, and it's not a bad thing, I tracked a lot of Cayman and 911 guys, and some boxer guys too, but 944 guys don't tend to require our services, especially now we're doing like crazy twin turbo stuff or we're doing some stuff that has to do, let me get some water here, with um, electricity. A lot of people don't tend to do that, you know? I don't know how to feel about the electric cars. You know, Tom, I was the same way. And I talk about this almost every Tech Tuesday. I 
didn't want anything to do, anything at all to do with electric vehicles. Zero. I thought they were for tree huggers. I thought they had no soul. All these things I heard from my peer engineers and enthusiasts were telling me all this crazy stuff about these cars, that they were like just, just horrible cars that were just a detriment to everything automotive and everything performance. And then I noticed that my partners in OEMs, because I built a lot of OEM cars with Hyundai and American Honda and Ford and all these other manufacturers, they were now moving towards electrification. And I said, you know what? If I really want to stay relevant and keep tuning and, 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 and want to be able to have this for the rest of my life, I need to embrace this new technology. So I, I decided to build this with the team. And the first time I drove it, Tom, I almost urinated on myself. It was the most amazing, the most amazing experience ever. And I was lied to. People were lying to me. It does have soul. And it does make sound, beautiful sounds. Like, and this torque is ridiculous. The performance, since I, you know, yes, I'm an engineer. Yes, I'm a performance guy. But I'm an enthusiast first. As an enthusiast, I cannot ignore the sheer acceleration this thing has. And for me to be able to make power without the guilt that I always have, you see, all these cars, even the, this Cayman here, even the M M16 back there, they all run on corn. They run on E85 because I always wanted to have fun, but without the guilt of knowing the kind of hydrocarbons I'm putting into the atmosphere. So um, that being said, this, this is just amazing. So I see a question that came from you, Jonathan, saying, should you get a Prius? It's up to you. Daily, I drive a, an electric hybrid. I have a Hyundai Ioniq I drove today. That's why I drive. But for, on a performance arena, if you want a performance car, there are a lot of performance things, you know, you know. And AJ said himself, that EV935 is pretty fast. Holy cow, the acceleration was incredible. And AJ had the opportunity to drive it. And yes, he just could, you know, it's amazing. And uh, you're saying Teslas can't relate, says a bag of butter. Yeah, Teslas are pretty fast as well. But imagine, imagine having the power of a Model S, like a P100D, but half the weight. That's what this is. So it has the power. My, my 060 is 2.06. I can't do that with even that right there. And I make, well, I don't want to put, get the cat out of the bag. I'm going to put a video up on YouTube. So if you haven't subscribed to my YouTube feed, after this, go there. Subscribe to the BC Motor YouTube feed. Hit the notification bell so every time I put a video up, you see what's going on. And you see the video of that on the dyno. It was, I have a new video I'm putting up this week. It is absolutely bananas. I love the Honda minivan, um, says 2003 Michael. Thank you. It's right here. I'm looking at it right here. And um, you, know, you have a very good question, Boosted GD, for me. You said there's no tuning involved in electric cars, right? Actually wrong. There's tons of tuning. And it's so weird you ask me that question because I was just talking to one of my guys here, Miguel, about that today, like a few moments ago, before we came on live. And here's the deal. There's a lot of tuning to be done, just like you would tune a petrol engine. Let's talk about the 935 back there. The same way that, you know, if I want a little bit more power, I can lean things out and create a little bit more controllable heat. But if I lean too much, I can burn a hole in the piston, right? Or destroy my rings. Same thing happens with EVs. You know the same way that I can keep adding boost and boost? I stopped at a little bit over one bar, one atmosphere on that, one bar. But what would happen if I went to two bars or three bars? Could I physically, yes, if I want to go to four bar, four atmospheres of pressure, could I go to 60 PSI? Yes, but will my engine hold it? No, I'll expire the engine, right? Same thing happens with EVs. So in tuning EVs, there's so many things you have control over. Using a battery management system, using a controller, you can calculate and be able to limit how many amps go out and are demanded from the batteries. So if you have an opportunity just to make things very simple, 
If you have an opportunity to be able to demand a ton from your batteries, you can demand so much from it and the batteries won't be able to handle it that you can create a thermal runaway, a fire situation, your batteries exploding or swelling up. Same thing that will happen in a petrol car if you put too much boost on a stock motor, on an engine that doesn't, is not built for it. Above and beyond that, being able to, to really, how should I say, control the torque is very important. Yes, I can create 700 pound foot of torque and a wire RPM with this, but would that be an enjoyable drive? No. I need to be able to mimic something that can be enjoyable. So I have very simple things like, let's say, pulse toning, for example. I can cruise at 200 amps, but on demand I can give 1,560 amps, just like that on demand. That all comes from tuning. So being able to find that enjoyability, that safety net, the same thing we do with gasoline cars, that's why we tune, right? To get power, to make it enjoyable, to make it drivable, to make it safe. Same thing happens with EVs. It's not a plug-in and a switch on and off like a microwave. There is a lot to do there, a lot, quite a bit, you know? Do you think it's possible to make an electric tank? Yes, it is, and actually the military does use that, so it's been done. Oh, Misty 2 as well, Ruben S2K, hope all is well. Um, I, I don't know if I want to let the cat out of the bag, but I'll be traveling away pretty soon. But I'll bring you guys on with, with me. I'll be on every Tuesday. But I'm going to be missing in action for a few months coming up soon, you know? BC, would you speak on a car design podcast? Yes, Crown Unfiltered. I would be more than honored to. What do you think is the best Porsche ever made? That's a good question. For a race car, I would say it was a Porsche 935 Moby Dick, the king of race cars in that whole Group 5 era, right? For a road-going vehicle, I would say, and, and please don't hate me for this, but I would say from a road-going car is the Porsche 918. It has the most utmost technology from Porsche, utilized from you know some F1 technology that's embedded. It's a pure hybrid. So for those individuals who love the petrol engine, it satisfies that. And those of us who love the crazy torque and, and acceleration and advantages of EV, it has as well. So it combines the two, you know? Oh, you messaged me. Oh, I look forward to that. Look forward to that indeed, you know? Let's go bomb around Willow. Yeah, that may be a good idea. I know right now it's like, you know, everything's shut down, but I think there's some races going on here and there, which would be pretty cool, you know? Um, hello, Ozan. Good seeing you indeed. Um, it would be an honor, Lucas, by the way, just to let you know. My, it's so weird that what I see from you guys is kind of getting jumbled and weird. And, and Instagram has been kind of crazy recently. What do I think of hydrogen? I think it's wonderful. The fact that the elements of combustion or the elements that happen after using it as a propulsion element um, is just pure water, um, I find it very appealing. But from a performance perspective, um, I don't think it will tickle that or, or scratch that itch I have in terms of performance. So... The reason why I don't like hydrogen vehicles, um, above and beyond having scarcity and having stations globally, is I, I can't see any performance, huge performance opportunities with it. One of the reasons why I love EVs so much, despite what I was raised to know or think from my peers, um, is that the acceleration is just fantastic. The performance is amazing. And then that wine, that supercharger wine from the motors, that I don't dampen, I, want it, I, I pump it into my compartment. It sounds awesome, you know? I'm getting a hundred preludes, says David Films. That's my first car. What should be my first mod? Intake header exhaust. <laughs> it's, like the, it's like the quintessential question, and I'll give you the answer that's proper. Intake header exhaust. That will wake it up very quickly, you know? What shifter are you using the Petro 935? I'm actually using a 997 shifter with a nod to the 935s of your 
a shift knob that has that like, kind of wooden gradient on it that's like dark and light brown, almost like my watch and this, or me and the watch, like different gradient. So because I have a 997 gearbox in there, which is pretty robust, so um, with a twin turbo setup with a lot of power, I need a gearbox that I really hold up to the power, and I'm running a 997 one from New Orleans, you know? You ordered a set of Mukunis? Wow, Taryn, what, what the hell? <laughs> Did you really? That's cool. I have jet steel if you need some, you know? Um, do you plan on testing the K3V at any of the 2121 shift sector events at Tony Holyfield? No. Um, or maybe it may be a cool idea. The thing is that because of the gear ratio and tire size I'm running on this car, I am speed limited. So because of my final drive inside, yes, I do have a differential in here. I do, transaxle. Because of the final drive from the motor and the multiplication that goes into my transmitter, out of my transmission, with the wheel size I run, which is, I think it's a 27.1 diameter, with the RPM limit of 18,200, the highest speed I can get this to is 165. Now, because of that, um, it doesn't make a very good half mile car, right? I mean, you get to 165 and, and that's it. I think I did that with my, I did 150 something with my IROC, and then with a Hyundai Genesis, I did 178. So from a top speed perspective, my Hyundai Genesis I built years ago, We'll have a better top speed than this. Of course, this will destroy it in any acceleration match. But when it comes to top speed, it's, it's not a top speed car. Maybe in the future, I'll build one that'd be really good. Or I can play one with final drives or bigger tire circumferences. Eh? Happy Tuesday, Lucas Wings, uh, Weinsberg. Thanks for the kind word. Fast so fast. Thank you, Nazul. Appreciate that. Um, How would you like to feature you in my versus battle tournament? Tell me about that car, Nain Ui. Send me a, a DM or email. Email to lab at bcmore.com. I tend to get those. Uh, my vice president and I, and um, maybe we can have something happen. Thoughts on the LSD needed for a 1979 11T with built motor? 20 oh, by all means. So the, the, the cool thing about the 911 is that, you know, the, for me as a drag racer, someone with a bag racing, you know, drag racing background, um, the rear engine and rear wheel drive lends extremely well for traction, right? For adhesion, especially off the line. But the challenge is, as you go into corners and you try and get a little aggressive, you tend to have quite a bit of oversteer, right? So that being said, a limited slip differential is a huge benefit in those rear engine rear wheel drive setups, in those RR setups. So I'm a huge advocate of the Torsen style from Quaife. That's why I like a lot. Some people like what the factory uses with, with kind of clutch plates, whatever tickles your fancy. If you want a two-way or a one-and-a-half-way, whatever the case may be. But um, in my blue one there, I have a Quaife. In this, I have a Quaife. In the center seats, I have Quave, and, and they handle extremely well. So I like those. I like the, I like the uh, torque biasing, anti-torque biasing differentials a lot, you know? Um, I think I had a very good question here. Is the EV Porsche one gear? Yes, it is. It's a single speed setup. So the lever you see that I have in the, in the vehicle is just to initiate a gear. So if you haven't seen it, after this, go on the BCMO YouTube feed. I have tons of videos of me driving in the streets and the track around. Um, I, I did a, a rally with it few rallies. Um, I did some explanations on how to drive the car. I even did a video where I went to the state ref in California to get it approved for street duty. I have lots of videos there that are pretty interesting. So yes, it's to initiate gears at single speed. What is better for traction? All-wheel drive or rear-wheel drive mid-engine for 1,000 horsepower? Definitely all-wheel drive. The more adhesion you have, the better. The more surfaces you have on the ground, especially if it lends itself well to physics, being you know, rear-wheel drive and very all-wheel drive, yes, that'd be better. Miss you as well, Taryn. Um, 
is there a huge price difference with AM Infinity units for different car manufacturers, says Texas Holyfield? Yes and no. So across the board, if you are going to put an AM Infinity with your own harness in a Porsche like that, or if you're going to put it in, let's say, a Honda Civic, with your own harness, it's the same price, right? But what if you had a factory-style 997, turbo or non-turbo, right? Or a factory-style Cayman, for example. And you want to put an AM Finney, and you want everything to work. You want your dash to work, your tachometer to work, AC, all that stuff. Uh, your track car, if you're in an area of the country where there are no uh, emission regulations, then you can do that. But, you, you know, th these ECs are for off-road use only. So if you're doing that, or let's say a BMW um, E36 or E46, and you want everything to work like factory, it comes with its own CAN module to connect to the factory harness and CAN systems, and that costs a lot more, so it becomes a lot more expensive. But if you're laying in your own custom harness for your race car, same price. Same price indeed, you know? Do you like Mustangs, says McSilva? Of course I do. Mustangs are like California's, California, United States muscle car. It's like one of the most iconic muscle cars on the planet. So yeah, I do love Mustangs. We built one for 40 years ago. We built this crazy, huge, 75 millimeter turbo setup, made 900 horsepower. It wasn't very usable 900 horsepower, but it was a lot of fun, you know? Jared, what the heck? <laughs> so good to see you, Jared. So Jared Jackson is a very good friend of mine from back in the day. Um, wow, did a lot of racing with us as well. Is an advocate, obviously, of side drive carburetors and so on and so forth. I haven't seen him for quite a while. Jared, you need to come visit us. Or maybe when things calm down, it's up to you. But um, yeah, Jared's a good friend. Good, good seeing you, brother. Good seeing you indeed, you know? Have you ever tuned a petrol engine for my pergallion or post performance? Yes, I have, BK2 Menace. As a matter of fact, um, the Hyundai I drove today was a hypermiling setup where we focused a lot on the petrol stuff. And then I've had race teams come to me where they've had two modes. They've had an eco mode when they're doing endurance racing and full power mode. And with that, I was able to be able to play with ignition timing to give them the best efficiency, but also to do a slight lean burn so they can have a very good opportunity for improved gas mileage. On the vehicle that we built for American Hyundai, or Hyundai Motors America, we had the opportunity to play a lot with aerodynamics and tire sizes and weight to be able to increase the efficiency of mile per gallon. And we succeeded. We did about 83 miles per gallon on the car. That came from factory wood about 45. So that was a huge advantage, you know? Have you explored the 3RZ, says Darren Lee. Toyota engine, no, I have not. I've not played with those at all. Hello, William A. Lambert. Good seeing you indeed. Thank you so much, F06. Appreciate that. Um, Derek has a good question. Would you personally recommend a 50-degree cam gear on a stock K24 or just keep the 25 it comes with? Well, it depends. Is your camshaft stock? So what we have done with a lot of customers is, especially when they, and they do this automatically, and they can leave it as is, especially if it's a K24A. But some people put a K20A head on the K24 block, and they go, of course, with a 50-degree 50, 50 um, IVTEC setup. And we've seen power going past 30 degrees of cam angle. So, answer is yes, but make sure whether it's a factory or aftermarket cam that you do have the clearance because you do not want to have piston the valve interference at all. But yes, there are advantages going north in terms of torque curves and power going north of 30 degrees of cam timing. Caucasian says, it seems you're moving more into Porsches and electric parts. What are some of the new things in the pipeline for 2021? Well, the thing about me, Caucasian, is that I love all cars. Some people joke with me and say I'm like the Jay Leno of performance, and it's true. If you go to Jay Leno's facility, he has everything from sport compact cars to a Ford Shogun to exotic vehicles to a steam engine to a tank. I love all kind of cars, you know? So that being said, um, you may see a lot from us because I'm, I'm very excited about this new arena of, of electrification. 
I love the concept of, of, of retrofitting newer technology into older cars and keeping them on the road. I enjoy the opportunity to be able to walk a path that most people don't. I enjoy taking some of the concepts that previous facilities who've laid the foundation for us EV converters and taking that even further and pushing the envelope even further. So I've been working on Porsche since 2008. So I've been doing that for quite a while right now. And I have Hyundais, even, even right here where I am. I'm looking around, there's a Civic right here. It's a Porsche, there's a Porsche. There's a Mercedes-Benz, there's a, uh, the CRX right there. There's, a, of course, my Odyssey van here. There's a CRZ, there's my wagon, there's my Insight. There's a VW bus. There's a Rolls-Royce here, another Rolls-Royce in the corner there. Um, and I have two, a couple of Porsches behind me. So I have everything here. So yes, you may see me post a lot more Porsches recently because I'm doing a lot more technology exploration there. But I love all cars, sir. I love all indeed, you know? How much do you get your, get your blue Porsche 911 for? It's a dream car of mine. Thank you so much, Juktin. Um, believe it or not, the blue 930 was my first Porsche I ever built. And I bought it as a roller in San Diego and built it up from pretty much the ground. So when I got it, it had no engine, no transmission, and I kind of did my thing with it. By the time all things were said and done, it was the most expensive car I ever built to date, I mean, at that time. And it easily, at the time, cost me north of $100,000, at the time. For me to replicate something similar nowadays with the current Porsche prices, man, think of maybe a little bit more than double that. It's pretty crazy nowadays, you know? Thank you so much, SMS Design and Performance. Appreciate the kind words. Oh, you're from Kyrgyzstan. Good seeing you, Arjun Chick 5. Thanks for joining. Um, oh, I missed a very good one here. Forgive me, guys. Let's see. Um, what happened to the Honda Odyssey Turbo? Mr. Sinister, it's, it's right here. So I'm, I'm going I'm to turn this around. and please, Actually, let me, let me grab the camera. Let me grab this. Forgive me, those of you on YouTube. So I'm going to switch this around right there. See? Odyssey's right there. I'm looking at Odyssey right there. It's right in front of me. Next to the CRZ, next to my wagon, and my Insight in the corner there. So, yeah. I, um, I have the, uh, wagon, the van still here. Put you back here. There you go. Okay. So it's still here indeed, Mr. Sinister. Let's see here. Any electric aftermarket integration to ICE cars, plus the electric motor, small battery pack, computer, add to the rear axles for front-wheel drive cars? So, Caucasian, not yet. There are companies out there that are making some very clever integrated motor assist units. Um, one for Porsche 911, for example. And that kit costs $75,000 and adds about... 60 horsepower or so. So the companies out there doing it. So it's not quite commonplace yet. I assume because of demand. Because of demand, I guess that's the reason why, you know? So that's, that's the challenge there. Uh, thank you so much, Michael, for the kind words. Appreciate that. Um, have you seen, says Shift Sector, Rightwise S2K? I'm bowing my head because I'm so embarrassed that you asked me that question. Um, not only have I seen Ryan's S2K, um, I was an integral part of him even exploring that program. And we helped him a lot with that vehicle as well. So Ryan just and myself could care less about EVs not too long ago. Um, after us talking about this and him even helping me with some wiring on this and even driving this, he said, you know what, I'm building one. And he decided to build an S2K. So, and we've been going back and forth on that. Um, if you remember, I was at the launch and uh, was at the facility even days before that as well. So yeah, I like that. I think it's very good for him to explore this new opportunity. Um, he saw how challenging and exhausting it can be, but also extremely rewarding. And yes, so I'm very familiar and intimate with that car indeed. 
What's the car on my right? This is, well, so I don't know if it's my right or your right, but on my right is the Bissimoto K3V. It's a Porsche 935 with a really, with a body that's, that, that's from the original Kremer molds. And then to your right is, right here, is a 2007 Cayman Turbo, Twin Turbo S. And with carbon fiber wheels, KW suspension, it was my most favorite ever road race track car ever. That's just amazing because imagine this having AC and power steering and it was just amazing. I, mean, I could just have fun with this thing and, and it had all the creature comforts and a both system. It was just like perfect, you know? Anyway. Aftermarket, uh, oh, Kovot, hello. So, so Kovot says aftermarket hybrid setups are super hard because driving the engine and even motor to work in unison smoothly is insanely difficult. He's absolutely correct. The logic is absolutely bananas. Absolutely bananas. And that's why when you do see them out there, it is a pretty penny, you know? What are your thoughts on the G23, H22, on F23 blocks, says CJ6, CG6CJ? I am not an advocate of swapping heads and blocks, especially when I've seen some people build these G23s where they're using, you know, everything from, uh, wow, uh, RTV to, to cover up passages and JB Weld. I just, I just don't like it. If I was going to build an H22, I'll build a proper H22. If I wanted something a little bit more displacement and similar application, I'll get a blue top H23, which we've tuned, and there's a customer of mine who's just destroying everyone on the streets with his boosted H23. Um, if I want to build an F-series block, like I have on my own drag car, I've been an F23. I don't see the advantage of being able to swap heads and all the complexities that come with that. I don't find it appealing at all, forgive me, you know? DR2K, no Jefferson today, not at all. I wear that, um, that uh, wig when people judge me. So it's my do not judge me wig. And for those of you who don't understand what, what DR is, is speaking of, um, I just posted on YouTube this morning. Go on there, you'll see me with my crazy wig, which is pretty, pretty bananas, eh? Hello, the one and only 246. Thanks for joining us today. Um, BK2Man says, what transmission did you use on the Genesis Coupe? It was stock 3.8. Are there any issues with it considering the amount of power you, you created? No, um, I use a factory one. I think, yes, I use a factory one. But no, I did not have any challenges. So what I did, and I may have one more here. I know that the one thing I noticed is that the factory torsion was not very strong. So I did upgrade my rear differential to a quaffe one, which I may have one more here. BK, you know I'm like your savior here. He's like, I have so many parts that I, I won't use, um, at least short term. I always say that and I look for them, right? But I won't be using short term. And, and if you want them, I can help you out with a smashing price. Just let me know. But I have, I think I may have another uh, Torsen diff um, from Quave that you threw in your rear end. But the gearbox itself was just stout. I mean, we made damn, north of 1,100 horsepower on that thing. I think 1080. Um, and I had to, it was shutting down my dyno. I had to, I had to reduced the boost near peak torque so it wouldn't shut down my dyno. That's how, that engine, one of my best engines I've ever built. I love the Lambda engines from Hyundai. I love them, they're amazing. Huge ports, six bolt mains, just a robust engine, well-designed, well-engineered engine. So that being said, um, I didn't have any challenges with that. I had a, a center iron clutch, which I think I told you about already, a pretty nice custom flywheel, um, and I never did standing starts, right? I did burnouts, yes but never standing starts. I didn't do any crazy launches. All of my crazy runs with that kind of power was based upon roll racing, just roll racing, you know? I know you're doing a crazy NA setup, but I'm telling you, those cars on boost are monsters. Nothing could touch them. I'm telling you, people, I'll tell you guys a story uh, real quick since BK2Medis brought this up. I went to Arizona to do a half mile race 
uh, at Gila Bend, or Gila Bend, however you want to say it, or Gila Airport, with uh, the guys from, um, uh, oh, what's the name of the outlet? Uh, what am I drawing a blank? Uh, Omega Motorsports, there you go. So it's a no-fly zone, Omega Motorsports. And I get there with my two-car trailer. Now, why did I take my two-car trailer? Well, first of all, my cars weren't, those cars, that car wasn't street legal. <laughs> Secondly, um, I wanted to take two cars. And I was able to pull it off the trailer, and as I pulled my blue Porsche out first, people were like, oh, cool. And then when I put out the Genesis Coupe, the Hyundai, people started laughing at me. They were laughing, straight laughing at me. And I'm like, okay, whatever. And like, they were not laughing behind me. They were laughing at me. Like, oh, what's this going to do? Until I ran. And I put those videos up of each run, or the exciting ones at least, on my YouTube page as well. So when you have a chance, go check it out. The first run I did, I think it was against a Camaro, I believe. And his Camaro was crazy, and he had a crazy hood scoop. And then we did our run to 40 miles per hour and took off. When people saw my first speed, which is a 176 it was, they're like, what the hell in a Hyundai? And I came back, and now, by the way, I'm not gonna lie to you guys, it was really hard in the car. I mean, I was blowing out my wheel wells. <laughs> it was, my budge, my badge flew off. Like, it was a crazy thing. It was crazy to race that car. <laughs> it was so crazy. Anyway, um, so I had to, my fog lights were like, you know, like those speeds, I don't think those, those bodies were designed to go at those speeds at any given period of time. It's not like you have a Lamborghini or a crazy Porsche. So I literally had my wheel wells from just a pressure built in the front, like just disconnecting from all the, the plastic rivets and then hitting my tires. So I think after a while I had to like, cut my wheel well out or something like that. It was crazy at the track. But after that, people wouldn't even line up with me. Like if, if, if they put us together as a pair, I remember this guy who had um, a 458, he came up, they lined us up and then he got out of line. It was crazy, it's crazy indeed, you know? There are Porsche in the background, right? Yes, Jans. There's a Porsche here, an Audi R8 right there, um, a 935 there, and another 935 there. So if you're not familiar with any of the 935 stuff, you know, um, by all means, please go on, you know, check it out. And um, you have an opportunity to be able to see what the 935 stuff was all about. It was actually pretty, pretty nice indeed from back in the day. Thank you, Phil Girl. Appreciate that. What's a safe advanced ignition time for street tuning Honda on boost? Street tuning? Boost the GD3 for me? I'm not an advocate of street tuning because it's not safe. But I can tell you one thing that's a rule of thumb when it comes to tuning ignition advance on small internal combustion engines, especially maybe Hondas or those that have small displacement, high RPM. It depends primarily on the combustion chamber size and compression. So. My rule of thumb is to always have some type of knock function initiated in your tuning software. So you can see if you're experiencing any type of knock in the car. It's very hard or next to impossible to do it on the street and it's not safe. You want to do that in controlled environment with a dyno. And not audible knock, but where you can see it on your screen and be able to tune accordingly. In small internal combustion engines, um, if you have a GD3, I assume you have a fit. Um, and those engines in the L-series engines, I've seen, especially what boost level it is, I've seen as let's say in a 10, 15 PSI, I've seen as low as negative five to as high as seven. And that's just on small, this is on small engines. And that's with standard like low compression pistons. High compression can be even more aggressive, you know? So it, it, there's no one size fit all answer to that. There's just too many variables in time, you know, that, that have to help you with that. The key thing to do 
is to have access to equipment that can allow you to do a better job at tuning those. And a knock sensor with a knock floor protocol is the way to go. Hello, Wera Tools, North America. You, by, the way, by the way, you guys don't know, if you don't know who Wera is, they are hardcore. They've been around since this, wow, before the 70s even. And, oh, they even have a 935 that looks even more beautiful than this. One day, I'm going to build them one. But anyway, Wera Tools is this company, German-based, and they have a headquarters in North America, a little bit up north from us. They make the most amazing, if you guys work on cars, go on their website, go on their Instagram feed and see the madness they have going on. They have tools that bend and they can spin around and the, for my EV stuff, they have these protective EV tools that, are, that have amazing abilities to keep me safe. They have all these, all these very nice insulation properties and so on and so forth. They are really the ultimate problem solvers when it comes to tools. You have a little place you're trying to reach in your motor, you can't, they have the tool for it. You have something that you want to ratchet, but you can't get a ratchet around that bolt because it's too close to a, to a member, they have something that's suited for you. You want something that um, can give you amazing accuracy with your torque wrench, they have it. I love these guys. They're really good. Anyway, thank you for joining us, Warrior Tools, and thanks for being a great bane to us builders. Appreciate that indeed, you know? Would you consider being a, building a 2020 GR Super? Absolutely. I love that car. The looks, the opportunity. The partnership between BMW and Toyota that some people tend to balk at, I think it's a match. I think it's amazing. We have the opportunity to get the best from both companies and combine one vehicle. You get the, the, the feel, the beauty, and some of the engineering of a German vehicle and also Toyota's expertise. While some people, most of the guys who don't have any business, who don't even buy it, complain, the ones who have it love them. And I wouldn't mind building one. That'd be so awesome, you know? What are your thoughts on the Mark 7 Golf GTIs a daily? Saving up for one by seeing too many, so many conflicting reviews. I like it. The Mark 7 has amazing aftermarket support. And I like those indeed. I mean, it's, those cars can be built into powerhouses too. I mean, on the DL, they're sleepers. They can be quite, quite amazing. The key thing is choosing the right parts if you're going to modify them. What hurts those cars if you choose cheap, inefficient parts, then you'll never enjoy it. If you keep the maintenance up and choose good parts for your build, you can have many enjoyable years with that vehicle. I like them a lot. Thank you, Wartools, and I appreciate that. Is the center seating conversion complicated? As shitty old man Mazda. <laughs> As I was saying your name, I just realized what I was saying. But anyway, um, S old Mazda. Um, it is very interesting. And what I mean by that is, most cars that are, that led themselves well to a center seat conversion have a hump in the center of the vehicle. Now, if we are converting a, an electric vehicle, let's <laughs> say a Tesla or something like that, it wouldn't be so bad because that flat floors, floors, right? But with the standard vehicle, like the ones we convert, we convert a lot of Porsches. Um, I know the guys at Spoon converted like a, a sport compact vehicle, I think Integra or RSX, something like that. They all have humps. And what happens is that when you excavate that hump, which has a lot of integrity in the chassis, it kind of makes a very dangerous vehicle after that. It's not very stable, okay? It doesn't have great integrity. It's structural integrity, that is. So even if you remove the center hump and you fill it back up with, with ideally a very similar material to what was removed, you do need to reinforce the entire chassis. So as you can see, there's a lattice, a crazy lattice on every one of our center seat vehicles to really not only strengthen, but give back and even improve upon the structural integrity that we also destroyed in making that conversion. But when done, it is the most enjoyable vehicle ever. 
the mid-seat application is so fantastic. When racing on the track, it takes a few minutes to get used to, right? But after a while, it is the most amazing experience ever. It is absolutely spectacular. And like every race car should be that way. And when you combine the center seating position with a mid-engine, it's like bliss. I will never forget what Jay Leno said when he drove the red one. He said this is like his P1, but better. So it, I was just absolutely flabbergasted. And after he came back to the pits, Jay was kind to share with us that if we built a bicycle, he would drive it. He just loves our builds. So that was a great compliment. So I, I, lo I, love, I love it. F1, I think. F1. F1. Hello, Falcon Lover Zach. Good seeing you. Who helped me toilessly nights, nights, nights build like M16. Thank you so much. Um, any advice to find an outlet for doing yourself tuning safely? Um, definitely a dyno. I mean, even if you have to rent a facility or beg and work with someone, exchange services or something to be able to use a dyno, that's the best way to do it. Um, taking classes, even though I did a lot of tuning on my own car, I did take classes from Brent Strader from EFI 101. Um, being able to, even as a seasoned tuner at the time, I learned a lot. I learned a lot. And I remember the time not too long ago when AEM had tuning classes. That was a great advantage. They don't have those anymore, quite sadly, but it helped me as well. So reading as much as you can, interacting with people who are very astute and very reputable is very good. And also taking classes from HPA or EFI 101 that I took would be absolutely a huge advantage for you as well. Where does the sound come from in the electric K3V? In the motor. So electric motors are not completely quiet. The, you know, the, the challenge with the most popular electric motors on the planet, <laughs> electric cars, which is the, the Teslas, is that you know, they went to painstaking, as they should, painstaking opportunities to quiet the car down. Because most people want, you know, oh, 85 years. Thank you, Wera. That's a really long time. Um, they take a long time to quiet down the, the motors. But they make an amazing, amazing sound. So not only the, the motor itself wearing, the gears, where well, you have that reduction gear from the motor itself to transaxle, it's not a direct cog from the motor to the wheels. There is literally a transaxle with a torque multiplication device in it. Think of it as a final drive. The final drive gear is there because of its design to be able to withstand the torque without destroying itself. It's quite robust. And that being said, they have this, this mechanical whine that sounds like a supercharger. It's really pretty cool. So that's where it comes from. And since I'm, I'm a performance person and I did not want to keep that sound at bay, I have a partition that's open from the engine compartment into the cabin so you can hear it all. So when you see me putting on my videos and you see me driving, what you do hear is that amazing whine of the gears and the motor. It's pretty, quite intoxicating indeed, you know? I like Tesla's as well, Hot Wheels 005. Speaking of uh, GR Supra, my beautiful mother hooked me up with an amazing, no, GR for Christmas, that's so cool. Thank her for me, Uparse. I like her style, indeed, you know? Do you have any aftermarket parts for 904? Because of lack of demand, Rick Hedrabi, I don't. But when that changes, I guarantee you, I will. Which wagon do you like, says Falcon Lover, who is a wagoneer indeed. The original single cam or the current one with the K? I think I like the current one with the K. You know, just, just for really breaking the ice and allowing me to create a vehicle that was very atypical, I have a, you know, a, a very nice love for the D-Series. And it created a lot of opportunities for us as a company and a lot of naysayers. That's when people started really hitting on me a lot, being mad at me, because when I showed that the single cam could make 700 horsepower to the wheels, 
People called me every name in the book, said I'm lying, I'm a piece of crap, I'm blah, 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 blah. People were just attacking me until other people, few people who actually paid attention, listened, and bought parts from us, ended up doing more than me. Now they're 800 horsepower, almost 900 horsepower single cabs using the parts that we created. So that being said, guys, you really think about it, um, it's, it's pretty amazing how, how times tend to change and how people's mindset changes. They, they tend to, and I'm used to it, because I tend to become someone who is uh, an early adopter or someone who tends to experiment and just try different things. Um, I'm used to getting a lot of pushback, you know, trying different crazy things. And then later on, people copy, which is pretty interesting. But, so I like the first wagon because it actually showed what could, be, what could happen with the D-series power plant. No one wanted to push it. But the K, not only is this faster, because the D-series, when you drove it, it was laggy, and the boost came on, it spun tires, it was fun. But this K being all-wheel drive, and sequential, and boosted, and not as laggy, and it's just absolutely spectacular. I love it. I love it. Love it indeed. You know? Okay, I answered that. Speaking of Jay, when is he driving the K3V? Keep teasing it. Um, I'm, I don't know if I shared with you, Kovo, when I saw you, because I saw you right when everything kind of shut down in California. But the week that the things, everything shut down, we were scheduled for him to test that Tuesday. No, not Tuesday, Thursday. Now, I was sad that he didn't, because California shut down and they canceled. And we're just waiting for things to get a little better for him to start you know, exploring that again. But I'm happy because the K3 has been actually quite improved from a technology perspective since then. At that time, um, I don't think I even had a BMS in it, so I was really worried. And now I have a proper BMS. I've had a lot of improvements in how I control my thermal attributes of the car. I have different pulse settings that are different. I have Chatamo now built into it. I have all these great things in this car now, so it's a much better vehicle than it was when Jay was going to drive it. So I guarantee you, Kovalt, when they give us a call again, I will let you know. And it should be a magnificent episode. Now, for those of you who don't know, Jay's a bit of a crazy driver. He terrified me when he drove the IROC Porsche. You saw me in the video laughing, but you could tell my laugh wasn't sincere because I was utterly terrified. This is even scarier in terms of acceleration than the IROC. And a lot of people are terrified of the IROC. So I'm, I'm, I'm optimistically excited <laughs> about him being able to drive this. But it should be a good show indeed. It should be great. And I have so much to share. So much to share indeed, you know? Excuse me. Hello, I am, I am Andres Kevin. Good seeing you indeed. Have you had a chance to drive an RS6 wagon? No, I have not. Not quite yet. What are your thoughts on Rich Rebuilds? I, I, let's test that. I think it's for, oh, is he the one who did that? Wow. Yesterday, I think one of my guys here told me that someone put an LS in a Tesla just to piss people off, and um, I think it's really funny. I don't, I don't understand the logic behind that. It's like me putting a, a steam engine in my 935. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's great for content, and I know that's what he does. He loves getting the eyeballs and content, and we're talking about it, right? So, but I don't understand the technology benefit of that. I just don't. I, I don't at all, you know? What are the first models I should do to my Veloster N, says Miss Alamanca408. Well, here is what I've seen is amazing even with a factory exhaust system. Downpipe, intake, and a beast motor flash. Those things will wake your car up. We put cars north, I mean, way over 300, wheel, 300 horsepower, way over that with that. And it's a very simple, very elegant, 
very nice setup. Your car wakes up, retain all the attributes of the end mode. You have the ability to still have the backfires and all that fun stuff. But yeah, there is, that, that would be the three mods that I would actually recommend for you, you know? Hey, Beast, one question I've had is how did you find motivation to keep with your builds? I'm currently just stuck with my build. Well, Alan, in says, I feel your pain, brother. I really do. Um, with builds, it's pretty tough because as you're building a car with the setbacks and the challenges and the blood, sweat, and tears from the van to the wagon to M16 to the K3, all these cars are very hard to build. And what motivates me is my focus on the end result. I mean that. Focusing on the car, visualizing it, how the car will look when it's done. Just visualizing the joy it will bring myself and, and all of you is my motivation. So because my mind is on the prize, because I'm looking, focusing on the light at the end of the tunnel, what it does, it makes the current job not as challenging. If I focus on, oh my God, I got to build this one. Oh my goodness, I got to fabricate this. Oh my goodness, I got to wire this up. Oh my goodness, I have to start this. Oh my goodness, I have to connect. If I focus on that alone, it's painful. It's not fun. But if I focus on, oh, I visualize myself driving the van. Oh, I see this crazy EV done and I'm driving on the 60 freeway without having to worry about emissions and the torque and oh my God, and how people react. And when I focus on that, oh, I'm motivated. I'm like, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to like just to do stuff, you know? So that being said, that, that's what really what motivates me indeed, you know? Um, so it's, it's difficult. I see Jay Bush said I skip his question. You know, the, the cool thing is, and, and it's great, as I answer questions that come my way, other questions come up, and it's very difficult for me to see that. But the great thing is, we're in episode 163, right? So we have many more to come, and I'll keep doing this as long as God will allow me to do it. So that being said... I really appreciate all of you guys joining me on this 163rd episode of Tech Tuesday. I'll be back next Tuesday to answer, hopefully, your questions, J. Lee, Boosted Minded, and many more. And by all means, guys, please stay safe. This pandemic is real. Wash your hands. You know, just, just you know, I really appreciate everything you guys do. Oh, thank you so much, Remo Dog. Appreciate that indeed. Um, and by all means, as I mentioned earlier on, this will be here on IG Live. I will have it also on the podcast networks. I would then have a very nice excerpt on YouTube with some other cool videos. So if you haven't followed me on YouTube, please do. Go to YouTube, search for Beastimoto, hit that notification bell, click a follow, and we'll have a lot of fun. Take care, everyone. Take care. Cheers, and have a great afternoon. Stay safe. Bye-bye.